Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello. Welcome to a morning Bible study with a day of prayer. Promise, can you pray for us? Yes. Lord, just thank you for providing for us and giving us a chance to do things your way without having to redo redo them. And Lord, I also just thank you for making everything plain so we don't have to go and try to take forever and try to interpret what you're saying. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Well, amen. 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 And welcome, everyone. It's good to have you with us as we continue our study in First Peter. So, for this morning, we're in chapter three, and we're going to begin in verse eight. Could I get a volunteer to read I, from verse eight through twelve? I will. All right, Kyla. And it says, "Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as." Love as a brother, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are, that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him speak. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Go ahead and finish that out. But the face of the Lord? But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. All right. Thank you, Sudar. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I want to open the floor to you guys to share what the Holy Spirit's given you and put on your heart to share and or to ask any questions that you have. So... Who wants to begin? I would like to um, share real quick. I like this part of verse 10 and we'll say verses 12 as well. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. I find that very interesting that he would, um, that Peter is talking about this. We had seen there's two different kinds of a love of life. There was one that was a wicked and evil and lustful desire for life, versus one that is just genuinely enjoying what God has given you. There's no reason for you to hate your life on the earth that's not what god's saying hate your life and discard it and treat it like trash but what he is saying is don't let that become your prize and your focus that your life is now god and means everything else and we often miss that and get that confused and go well god said don't love life so that means i should treat my life or anybody else's like trash and that's not what he wants he just doesn't want you to get off track and lose sight of him honor him with your life that's why he gave us a life so that we could honor him not 
honor life itself. The, there's no glory in that for God. And so when we live our life, seek peace and pursue it and abstain from evil, God is glorified in that. And then he can then in turn glorify you also. And then there's blessing in it for everybody. Amen. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with that. Thank you, Leilaan. You're welcome. Anybody else? I'll go. All right, I promise. I like the end. How Peter said not returning evil for evil and revile for revile. Revile? Yes, revile for revile, but for returning evil. No, turning a blessing, returning a blessing in turn for evil. But not just like letting yourself becoming a beating post, but also not trying to revenge yourself, avenge yourself. Amen. So he's, he's reinforcing the concept that Jesus taught us of turn the other cheek right bless those that curse you do good to those who spitefully use you right yes very good thank you promise you're welcome who else has something they want to share i also found it interesting when peter here was talking about loving each other as brothers not that it's just attributes to boys but he was more so saying that you love each other as though it's only as though it's your own family and they're equals to you. There's nobody less than you or somebody who's not as good as you, but you're loving each other as though I do whatever for you because you have shown me kindness and you have shown me you love me and that forms a relationship between the two people. That's how siblings should be. They should love each other and have a relationship where they show that they love each other. And that's what Peter's also saying here is that we should form that bond with each other and with Christ. Meaning that he is our father and we are all brothers and sisters under him. So we should have a closeness and be able to submit to one another. Not trying to prevail against each other thinking you have a better understanding of what's being taught in the scriptures or you have more knowledge. But it's reasoning with one another in love. Not saying that's not right. In a rude manner I should say. But pointing out what needs to be corrected in love and saying, I know that you struggle with this, so let me help you go take care of it. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you, Lord Charles. Kyla? I don't have anything. So as we're reading over this section of scripture, which comes from Psalm 32, I was um, from verse 10. Through 12, I was reminded of a, a literally a conversation we were having yesterday, and uh, as we were discussing Zechariah 8, and just as I was reading through this, I was reminded of our conversation and just the overlays, how the Lord's intention is to bless, bless people, bless us. He just wants us to be obedient, and the same things that he that are listed out here are the same same things he's saying to every generation. Hey, just be obedient. Be honest. Right? That's you find that in uh, Zechariah eight seventeen. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. Don't love a false oath. These are all things that I hate. Right? In other words, be truthful. 
in some versions, if you read this out and study it out, it's it's talking about yes, the the New Jerusalem, as it were, but it's saying it'll be the city of truth. In other words, there won't be a lie or a falsehood or an evil thought, right? But then in verse four, he talks about how um, the beauty of right old men and young women. Oh, sorry, old men and women, old woman, shall sit in the streets with their staff because of their great age, and they'll be full of boys and girls playing in the streets and. And the Lord's saying, hey, if it's marvelous in your eyes, if you think this will be this great sight, as he says, will it not also be marvelous in my eyes? In other words, the Lord wants to see these things for us the same way we desire to see them. But they're only found in the Lord. We have to, I'll say, approach the throne, the Lord, with a boldness, but a desire to just be obedient because we love him. As he says, hey, like, especially if you look at Zechariah 8, right, as we study this out, it's, he says he'll, he'll save the people. <clears throat> well, he first talks about how beautiful it'll look. He talks about how he'll save the people. But verse 8 in Zechariah 8 is key, where he says, that I will be their people. Wait. I was like, I will be their God, and they will be my people. <laughs> I had that backwards. Forgive me. That's okay. So, yes, we will be the Lord's people. The ones that are obedient, the truthful, that have a desire to have a personal, deep, and intimate relationship with the Lord. And then we will see those things. That's that's what the city is comprised of. So if we're not pursuing that now, where does that leave us? And how does that look to the Lord? Is that great and marvelous in his sight? Is how is he glorified then? Because right, isn't that the whole point and purpose? Is to glorify the Father? That was Jesus' purpose and desire. And yes, it was to provide salvation for all of us because of the Father's love for us. I'm not taking away from that. But everything that Jesus did was to glorify the Father. And Jesus is our pattern and example. We also, through our actions as well as our words, them working together in unity, corroborating the other right should be approaching everything that we do with that same thought that same mindset that was in Christ mm -hmm. you know one thing that is important that the Holy Spirit always ministers to us and that he's made a kind of a signet of our ministry is that he wants us to understand his character and his nature so that's something you're going to frequently hear from us mm -hmm. as well as the concept that he purely if you look from the beginning of time to the end and eternity till now until eternity to eternity God wants to be our God and he wants us to be his people and you see that the apostle Peter is <coughs> excuse me he is again relaying and conveying the same concepts. God keeps saying the same things over and over. You know, like as you mentioned, sweetheart, in Zechariah 8, he's not a different God back then than he is today. He's not more compassionate now than he was then. He wanted the same thing then that he wants now. And verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Meaning, when we listen to him, just like he told us in <coughs> excuse me, 
just like he told the children of Israel in the wilderness in what we would look at as Deuteronomy and Exodus and Leviticus Exodus Leviticus Deuteronomy as we look at those things he's saying hey come in and follow what I tell you to do be obedient to me and it's really simple love your neighbor don't imagine evil and wickedness towards them don't lie to each other tell the truth pursue peace be kind to one another those those concepts are repeated over and over and over by our heavenly father by the holy spirit throughout the word of god jesus is the word and this is the same thing that he attested to and confessed to us in his earthly ministry that this is what god wants because this is who he is so when he's saying to us to um that the lord is his eyes and his ears are open to the righteous but his face is against those who do evil he's saying you cut off the opportunity for his blessing when you step outside of obeying the commandments that he's already given us and they're very simple and even if you flip forward to first john where he talks about these are the commandments to love the lord your god and to believe on the name of the lord jesus christ that sums it all up it's not a complicated a far off concept that jesus is trying to impart to to us you know he had angels speaking to us in the beginning he had moses coming with the law he had um various times and demonstrations through our brothers and sisters of israel who went before us the champions of faith of who he is and the simple things that he desires from from us and as our creator and as our father it's not too much for him to ask us love your neighbor don't try to do wicked things to them. Don't imagine wickedness against them. You know, that's that's more highlighted in Deuteronomy. I'm not I'm sorry, uh, Zechariah eight. But here when he says, if you want to enjoy your life, if you would love if you would love life and see good days, don't talk evilly. Don't be deceitful. You know, that it includes railing against your brothers and sisters or your neighbors. You may not like someone's actions, but accusing their character is something totally different. And um, the Bible cautions us about accusing a servant before his master, because how do you know that his master's not able to make him stand? So your brothers and sisters in Christ are also the children of God, which is what you brought up, LaCharles. They are also his children. God doesn't want you to rail against them. He doesn't want us to speak harshly concerning the people around us but he offered he wants us to offer them grace because he's offered us so much grace he just he displayed that when jesus talked about the, the servant that owed a certain amount and went to his master okay. and wasn't able to pay but asked for mercy and time to correct what was owed and lacking but then he turned right around after obtaining his own grace and mercy and time and patience went to his servant who owed a lot less than he did and beat him and threw him in prison with no mercy so God is saying, and um, Jesus in that example said, I don't like that. That's a wicked servant who did that and had that servant thrown into, um, turned over to the punishers, if you will, that tormented him and put him in prison. So understand that it's very easy to walk with God. It's very easy to do the things that would ensure in a good life before God. And not that he is approving us by our works, but our, our actions demonstrate our heart towards God. If I believe that you are a good God and you meant what you said, Jesus, I'm going to do what you say. Exactly. Not trying to make my own righteousness, not going, Lord, I think this is what you want. Never mind you told me something explicitly <laughs> in your word and your Holy Spirit revealed something else. I'm going to do what I want 
no, you accept it. That's a totally different concept, which is also what you were um, alluding to, Layla, or speaking about. What God says is what he says, and there's two dichotomies. Even though you might want to exchange it, you know, the, the mind of the human might want to exchange it, it's not the same thing. Have the conversation that God is having when he's having it. Speak his language, because that's required of us. But he makes it easy for us to walk with him. And he tells us how to engage with one another, so that way we glorify him. Absolutely. That's a great point, honey. I just want to correct my, myself here. I believe I may have misspoken earlier, and uh, the verses from 10 through 12 actually are, are taken from Psalm 34, not Psalm 32. So it's Psalm, so you'll find those verses in Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16. So just, just to correct myself, um, I don't know why I said the wrong thing, but it happened. So. That's okay, honey. <laughs> so let me fix that uh, before we, we continue. Um, but I, I love the points you, you made, absolutely. It's, it's about our actions, our behavior, and our heart towards the Lord. Um, just to, to paraphrase. Mm-hmm. So. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Exactly. And the two greatest commandments are what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Go ahead, promise. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And you see, whether it's written here or what we've been discussing in First Peter, or Zechariah 8, right? any of those things, we see the same principles, concepts, precepts listed for us, right? Remove the things in your life that don't reflect the Lord's nature, His character, His attributes, right? And sanctify yourself, which is separate yourselves from, from evil, right? Which is... Again, just like we said, the things that don't reflect the nature, character, and attributes of the Lord in your life. Mm-hmm. And in that, live a holy life, a, a righteous and just life, speaking truth. You demonstrate the character and nature of the Lord in your life and everything that you do. That's what he's looking for. And there are immense blessings for doing that. For <coughs> excuse me, for just being obedient. Mm-hmm immense blessings but it's also the pattern example as we've pointed out multiple times set forth in Christ for us to follow mm-hmm. <coughs> you know it's Excuse important me. sure sweetheart it's important that we keep the door open to the blessing of God in our lives um, there are simple rules that that are we I would call them spiritual laws that govern how things flow and function in the world around us And when we as believers have come in through the blood of Jesus Christ, we now, because of his accomplishment on the cross, gain access to the blessing of God on a continual basis. Not the God reigns on the just and the unjust alike. Not that, you know, it rains outside so you'll get to enjoy some of it or the sun shines so you'll get to enjoy that too. But the consistent blessing of God flowing in the life of the believer, that's where God wants us to live. But he also lets us know you know he's letting us know that there is there are conditions to having that available to us and when we step outside of those conditions this is going to be the result Mm -hmm. and we shouldn't be so um misguided to think that i can step outside of the conditions but i should still have all the blessing because that doesn't demonstrate understanding of the who the lord is of his holiness his sovereignty 
or just the basic respect for our God, just respecting him as our Lord and Savior to do the basics that he's requiring of us and using the door. You know, Jesus talked about um, the sheepfold and he said, a sheep know his voice and another they will not follow. And he mentioned and he stated that he comes through the door. And the one who tries to enter by another way is a thief and a robber. So likewise for us, he made a door who is himself. Jesus is the door. But the follow on with that is that we, like he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that's echoed in 1 John chapter 5. By this, we know that we love God. We love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. But whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so when we believe God, we enter into his blessing. We enter into um, the life that he has for him, for us through the door. We don't try to dig a tunnel and find another route. We don't try to hop the fence and sneak in around the back. We don't try to come to God, our father, by any other means other than Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ requires that we walk in this love towards him which is keeping his commandment that commandment in what we do with ourselves and how we treat others and it's so important to god absolutely um let's continue on because mm-hmm. this thought continues with the next set of verses so could i get a volunteer to read verses 13 through 17 please i will and who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good but even if you should suffer for righteousness, Nate, righteousness sake, <laughs> righteousness sake, <laughs> all those S's there. It's a rough morning, apparently. Yes. You are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that you that is in you. Excuse me with meekness and fear having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers those who revile you your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed mm-hmm. for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil mm. Amen. alright so what did you guys get out of that section of scripture I'll let somebody else go first this time. <laughs> oh, you feel free to speak, sweetheart. Yeah, it's okay. Thank you for being kind and uh, courteous. Go ahead and and share what the Lord put on your heart. Okay. Two things. Um, verse fifteen and sixteen, where it says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason." For the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that even when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Those two words, meekness and fear. He said, give a defense in meekness and fear, not get all loud and in everybody's face going, I'm right, you're wrong, and this is what I think, and slapping everybody around with your Bible. <laughs> but he said, be humble with fear of the Lord like respectful is what that means not cowering but respectful and humble and quiet because our father 
God Almighty is not loud and boisterous. He doesn't get in anybody's face. He doesn't pull us by the hair and throw us around the room. He speaks with us gently. It's his gentleness and his goodness that draws men unto repentance, not our loudness. You can be loud and wrong. That's something my parents <laughs> tell me all the time. <laughs> well, okay. It's better to be quiet and right and let the other person think however they want to than for you to get all loud and boisterous and then it comes out that you're wrong. Absolutely. And so here's the grace of God. When you are in your flesh and you're trying to accomplish things by fleshly means, God is not glorified. But if the Holy Spirit is ministering to you, like if he's ministering and he asks you to speak with a loud voice, like when he was calling Lazarus out of the tomb, he didn't whisper and go, hello, Lazarus, come forth. No, he spoke with a louder voice. So the grace of God is going, stay in the spirit. When you walk in the spirit, you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when you are in the flesh, there's no hope that you're going to glorify God. The wrath of man cannot produce the righteousness of God, right? Is that what yes. you're saying, Layla? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Charles? I also found it interesting when he was talking about getting a defense. I don't think Peter was saying that had to be defensive and have your shields up ready for an attack, but it's more so knowing why you believe these things, not just blindly believing each thing. That's why he says to search out the stuff for yourself don't just believe me because i say it so but to search it out he's also saying that you should have a clear understanding of why you believe these things and how they all point to christ and how it is said in the bible that he is true not because many false prophets come into the world and they claim all these things and it says test the spirit being ready to see if what they're saying lines up to the word and how it matches up so I think that's what Peter was getting at here. And he was saying that when you're doing that, that don't just call people out to the face. Go quietly to yourself and saying, I will go do this. Not saying, well, I'll do this after you're gone. That benefits nothing except for people look at you. You don't accomplish anything if you're loud. But he's also saying that when you're doing that, also even... If it is from God, you should be willing to listen, but you should also make sure. Because he doesn't violate what he says in his written, what he says and what he has in his written word. It always lines up together and matches. Hmm. I have a question for you guys. Can you be both bold and quiet? Yes. Okay. Do you think he's wanting us to have a quiet confidence if you will about who we are in Jesus Christ what the truth of his word says and what foundation we stand on yes. so if if I work overtime to con to prove to someone outwardly what I my point is that what God's looking for or is he ready? Does he mean instead for us to be so founded and grounded in love, grounded in the word of God, standing on the foundation of who Jesus Christ is and who we are in him, that no one is able to come and push us off our mark. No one is able to come and badger or beat or persuade us to forsake him. Right? Yes. yes. And does he want us to be able, when the enemy comes in with a 
a threat or um, if you don't renounce Christ, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to chop your head off or throw you in the fiery furnace. Or the lion's den or whatever. We're going to take you off of social media. We're going <laughs> to we're not going to be your Facebook friend anymore. When the enemy comes to try to pressure you to relent and let go of your confession of Jesus Christ, is it more so rather that God wants you to be so persuaded and convinced and committed to his love on the inside of you, his truth, his word, and your clinging to him in relationship, your commitment to live for God or die in Christ? that you're able to withstand every fiery dart that the enemy pushes towards you. No matter what tactic he tries, no matter how he tries to come to you and convince you to persuade you to forsake Jesus Christ, that you're able to stand. And you know why, as you said, LaCharles, you know why I, you believe the things you do. You know who God is, his character and his nature. You know what you believe. And if someone questions or interrogates you, you are able to, in the Holy Spirit, either remain peacefully quiet as Jesus did right until God gave him the unction to speak the okay the permission to speak or to in the gentleness right but still a bold confidence convey whatever it is that the Holy Spirit puts in your mouth because he oh go ahead sweetheart oh no I mean you see that that exact uh, train of thought and, and mindset towards the Lord uh, exemplified throughout the entirety of the word uh, but uh, just a, a quick I'll say summary of that can be found in Hebrews 11 right, the great faith chapter uh, specifically verses 32 through 38 well I'll say 32 through 40 but there are some some key verses in there uh, I'll, I'll read 33 I'll read some select verses just from that section of scripture. All right, and of course, as I said, this is the great faith chapter. It talks about all these people that followed the Lord with everything they had in faith, just believing the Lord and the Father for who he is. And yes, he accomplished mighty things through them. And that's what it says in some of these verses, like 33. It says, through who, through faith, subdued kingdoms worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, uh, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Mm-hmm. Right? Women received their dead, uh, raised to life again, others, uh, right, and then others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a besurre- better resurrection. Mm-hmm. But 36 is key, right? Still others had the trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And this is, this is key. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains in dens and caves on earth. Mm. So as I look at this, and what we're in light of what we're discussing, it is, it's not how the world views you, mm-hmm. right? There, there's the the full spectrum and gamut, if you will. Um, 
people like John the Baptist that wandered in the, oh, not wandered, but lived in the wilderness, mm -hmm. right? And ate locusts and wild honey. And it, there was a boldness, so much so that Jesus himself said he is like Elijah. The same spirit, if you will, that was in Elijah was in John, right? There was uh, the um, John the Baptist. There was this boldness to him. It was unrelenting. It, it, there was a love for the Father so deep that it was okay for him to go live out in the wilderness, to continually speak of sin and ask people to repent, uh, you know, to, to be willing to receive the Lord, to repent, to come back to turn to him. And, and you see that throughout the entirety of the word. It, there were people like Isaiah that were... Um, Yes, lived in palaces and Daniel, right? That were thrown in the lions. And why? Not because of their position, because of their faith. And yes, people also were jealous of the position that the Lord had placed them in and building them up and, and all these things, right? So it didn't matter what end of the financial spectrum, culture, right? Um, ethnicity, whatever that the, that the people that chose to follow the Lord were, they received the same. Treatment. Treatment, regardless. People were against the Lord, against his word, and against those who followed him, right? Jesus made that point very clear. If they treat the master this way, why do the servants expect different treatment? Right? Won't the servants experience the same thing? So, but with that, it's not focused on the treatment so much as on just being obedient to the Lord and his will in that moment, right? What did um, Daniel's companions, uh, I was going to say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but their actual Hebrew names were um, Azariah and Mishael, exactly. So they said something very profound when they were about to get thrown into the fiery furnace. The Lord can save us. Whether he does or doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're going to follow him. They, they were okay with experiencing whatever man had to bring to them. They did not love their lives, if you will, uh, so much so that they would renounce the Lord. Right? But the word of their testimony was that they loved the Lord. And they were willing to do whatever was required of them for him to be glorified which is how we all should be viewing and approaching our walk with the Lord, is what he is saying and doing, or what is what we are saying and doing, glorifying the Father and allowing others to see that representation of Christ, his light shining in and through us. Mm -hmm. Amen. What stood out most to me was the part like everybody else mentioned, with meekness and fear. And it reminded me of something the Lord taught me when we, Mommy, you and I, we were doing the update. And he was reminding me why he told you guys to teach the Word of God through your apparel, your merchandise. That it's the subtle messages that have more of effect sometimes versus Bible-bonking people. <laughs> Living it out is a more of a demonstration. It's not more real but it's better to see versus saying you should do this you should do that if you live it out 
I feel more convicted watching someone live it out versus you just talking at me. More convinced. Well, yes, but it, in this case, it's conviction. If I was living an ungodly lifestyle and I saw somebody that was being godly and they loved me back to Christ and they were living everything that the Bible says how they ought to, they were, even when they corrected me, they were living it out constantly in their life. It wasn't, well, I'm telling you, you should be pious and holy, but I'm living waywardly. Mm-hmm. But that they're living it out constantly, that's more of a win you to Christ versus Bible bonking. The Lord didn't do that. <laughs> the no Lord won us back to him with love. Even when we were wrong, he corrected us in a loving manner. And sometimes it might, on the outward side, it might seem harsh to other people, but it's loving to the person that's hearing it. They mm-hmm. felt love on the inside. And some, for some people, they like to be spoken to softly. That's how they equate love. Other people, it's you get in their face and you tell them they're wrong and correct them, and then they understand and they know love. Mm-hmm. But God loves them back to Christ, and that's what we should do. Mm-hmm. And the aspect of being meek and fearful, it's fear our God. He said, fear, why should you fear man? when they can only kill the body, but fear the one that can kill body and soul and throw it into hell. And, and just to, mm-hmm. to point out something with, with fear of the Lord, it is reverence. Mm-hmm. Yes. Revering him as holy as, and who he is. He's the, the God of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe and everything therein. Mm-hmm. Amen. Our Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. So yes. it, there's a, <coughs> not fear as in I should be afraid of the Lord, but as a, because of our love, we should be treating him with reverence and respect for who he is. Mm-hmm. Who, just who he is. The what he's done is a bonus. That's an addition. That's additional blessing upon blessing. A but whole just, other reason to respect exactly, him. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, just the who he is is enough. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as we, uh, just to add to what you were saying, it, it, and to clarify some things, right? Because many hear the word fear, and they're like, "Oh, well, I have to be afraid." Or, no, no, yeah. right? no, that's that's yes. not what's was being referred to as it pertains to the Lord. There is a reverence that we should be approaching the Lord with, and yes, we can come boldly before the throne, but they're still revering Him, right? That was the exact issue that the Lord had with Moses, right, and why He was not able to enter the Promised Land said, you did not revere me in front of the people. Yes. You didn't treat, he wasn't treated with a reverence. Now this is also someone that, you know, it was a friend of the Lord, right? That the Lord spoke with face to face. And in that one moment, it, it cost him. Mm-hmm. Not having reverence for the Lord in that one moment cost him. It didn't cost him salvation. No. It didn't cost him his place with the Lord. But it, it shortened the experience of good things on the earth that yeah, were apportioned to him to experience. And it, it kind of reminds me of my parents. You know, if, no matter how old I get, no matter how chummy we become and joke and playful we are in our conversations, at no time am I to forget that they are my parents. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and they will remind me. And those are my natural parents who are certainly a blessing to my life, but by no means equal to or compare to my heavenly father my lord and savior jesus christ and his holy spirit that who are 
undoubtedly do our respect our honor and our reverence for their majesty for who they are they are one but they are three at the same time mm-hmm. you're gonna add something sir no i and oh go ahead, promise go ahead sweetie uh it's not on the topic you're discussing right now that's okay change so change subject baby go ahead it relates to what we're it relates to the scriptures that we've read Yes. Okay. Well, then please share it, sir. The Lord showed me that at the very end, we're in verse 16, mm-hmm. where it said, Having a good conscience, that one day define you as evil do defame you yeah. as evildoers, those who follow your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than doing evil. Mm-hmm. And it just reminded me of Zechariah 8 at the end of the chapter where it said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And that kind of like, that's how sh- our conduct should be whenever we're doing something. It doesn't matter when we're doing it or... I'm not going to say how you do it, because how you do it still matters, but when you do it doesn't matter. That should be every time of the day that you should be reflecting the actions of the Lord. Amen. That's right. That's right, sweetheart. Is there any more that you had to say about that? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I like what you brought up about um, verse 16. And as you, br- as you mentioned, honey, that persecution from the world, which is really persecution from the enemy, who is... Yes. Influencing what the, the natural human actions that we see. It's not flesh and blood that we wrestle against, but as principalities, it's the spiritual things behind it, the wicked spirits, the demonic influences, um, et cetera, et cetera, that are causing the people to act in a certain way. And the people are going along with it. Some of them know, some of them don't. Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do as they were murdering him. So he understood it was the spiritual thing behind it. So persecution is what the enemy does to the church what the enemy does to the body of christ understanding that and having that concept within us so we're not surprised by it or taken aback or caught off guard so that way we retaliate and respond in our flesh but that we are prepared and in our spirit we retaliate by doing and clinging and holding ever more fast to the things of God and that commitment to follow his ways and to let his light shine through us so that the people there even if they accuse us falsely even if they um, say that we are evildoers and call good evil and evil good even when that happens God is still able to vindicate us and notice that I said God vindicates us not we ourselves because we're not able to do something if we are trying to vindicate ourselves undoubtedly your flesh is involved so if you are feeling as though you have to defend yourself 
come on back in and get in the spirit and let God defend you and speak what the Holy Spirit tells you to say and do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. That may be remaining quiet. That may be having a gentle defense when he gives you a gentle response is more so what that means, a gentle um, interaction when God gives you permission. But it doesn't mean that now you take on the job and the task of defending yourself as though you are your own master. And verse 17 kind of touches on that in a particular way. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for evil. And just understanding life in Christ is not a flowery bed of ease. I think Kenneth Hagin used to say that all the time. You know, it's in our mind, we think once we come in Christ, everything's going to be better. And that is true because now you have an assured end. Your eternity and your destiny has been assured through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now you gain access to the, all the promises of God and the blessing of God, the protection, the provision, um, the reconciliation and the resurrection that belongs to us in Jesus Christ and be aware that the enemy does come to persecute and if he can he wants to steal kill and destroy steal the word and the blessing and the provision of God if he can convince you to get in your flesh or to ignore the things that God has said to you or if you just are simply ignorant about it um, to destroy and to finally kill the believer and the life of the hope of the promise that is on the inside of them if he can get you to renounce God. But understand that persecution will come and you have a defense. Everything that's not going to feel good to our, our physical body, but the inward man that is sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption has guaranteed your safekeeping and he'll make sure that you are able to stand before Christ in the day of judgment and hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then we go back to the don't love your life mm -hmm. unto death and the way that you were talking about, Layla, of hanging on to it and grasping it, but by rather saying, I want the life God has for me, and I call that good. What God has assigned to me and destined to me is good, satisfying, and able to succeed. And understanding that the will of God is good for your life. And if he does ask you to suffer on his behalf, and it's not sickness and disease, because he's paid for that in the, the covenant that we have in the blood of Jesus Christ. If he asks you to endure with someone as they persecute you and be quiet and, um, you know, as Jesus took those stripes on his back, as he stood and was mocked and, and beaten and the, the crown of thorns was smushed into his scalp and they spat on him and ridiculed him. Take it with patience, right? Then there's the honor. It's not an honor to take suffering or mistreatment when you've done wrong. But when you have, are righteous, God is honored by that. And be assured, confident, that when you please God, when you exalt him and sanctify him in your heart, that what he desires from you is better and of higher weight and value than anything else that this world could ever offer you. No prize or treasure that Satan could say, look at all these. If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you these kingdoms. Nothing compares to Jesus Christ Amen. and his value to you and in your eyesight. And you continue steadfastly in that commitment to him. Our God is honored. He is glorified. And then he will in turn glorify you because that is his nature and his character. He has given his word on that. So we are fully persuaded confident and assured that that will be our outcome exactly and i love what you said honey is it 
it brings us back to what we were discussing in chapter 2, right? It's under what in many Bibles might say submission to masters. But just to tie it full circle back to Christ, right? In verse t- chapter 2, verse 20 of First of Peter, it, and there is a question asked, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, that's not a question, it follows a question, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. It says, for this you were called, because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And of course it keeps going, right? But this is the exact, exact thing that we started discussing today, out about being truthful and honest and just being submitted and committed to the Lord, to His will, whatever that is and whatever it looks like. When we, I'll say tie it full circle, we have been discussing a lot about relationships and what our relationships should look like under Christ. And we've literally gone through every possible relationship Peter has, well, the Lord, speaking through Peter, has now described every relationship that we could have with our bosses, with our, our masters or leaders or at every level of government or whatever it looks like, right? Those in authority over us with uh, our spouses and with our children, right? It's all encompassed here. And then capitalizes on it where he's talking about call to a blessing, but it's also our relationship with the world, with those that don't yet believe in the Lord and those that flat out resist and reject the Lord. He's described and showed us he in here and in many other places in the word a pattern example of how we are to act and behave reflecting the nature and character of the Lord in every aspect of our lives in every relationship with our lives. His fragrance flowing through us us being light and salt and again diffusing that fragrance throughout the whole world so they know that they know. So I would encourage you today. Alright, let's let's take a, a look at ourselves, examine ourselves. Or some versions would say judge ourselves. Let's judge ourselves rightly. Let's look at those relationships and hold them up to the light. Do they reflect Christ in our lives? Mm-hmm. And if they don't, well, let's not keep them there. Let's bring it back in under the Lord. Alright, submit it to Him. Bring it under the blood. Let's repent. Ask for forgiveness. And then change our actions and our behaviors. So people can see Christ through us. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I just want to give you a, a tip and some grace to go along with that. As you examine yourself, if there is a hint of guilt or condemnation, that is not Jesus Christ speaking to you. But if it's conviction and an honest rendering of come bring this before the Lord Jesus Christ because you know it doesn't honor and glorify him, that's God. And bring that to him and understand this and know at the moment that you genuinely and sincerely from your heart repent, 
that he is faithful and just to forgive you for all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And at that immediate moment, as you release your faith and trust and hope in the goodness and the glory of God, that he has now made you right with him. And there's no more stain of that sin. There is no more remembrance in the mind of our heavenly father of what you did when but only a glowing reflection and remembrance of the blood of Jesus Christ and his ever flowing and ever committed love towards you that never fails or breaks or turns away. So come on into the loving arms of Jesus Christ and be washed with the blood of Jesus and understand and know that God is not holding it against you. He wants to forgive you. He's ready. And once you enter in that door of forgiveness, don't look back. Don't turn back to the sin that was behind you and any thought or remembrance of it lay it at Jesus's feet amen who wants to close out in prayer I will all right Kyla in your name Lord Jesus Lord we just thank you for washes washing us in your blood God and presenting us holy and blameless before you Lord I thank you for keeping our listeners minds and that you help correct them God but you do it in a loving manner and not to expose them but to reassure them God to fill in the gaps in their armor God Lord I ask that you send people in their path God that can help edify them God and touch them and minister to their hearts God Lord I ask that you affirm and confirm that your continual love for them God that they can look up and they can see that because every man has fallen short of the glory of God mm-hmm. but you've given us grace God you're a merciful God Lord I just thank you that you keep your family God as they go about their daily lives God you keep their finances their house their car mm-hmm. and everyone that comes in their path God let them bless them God speak well of them mm-hmm. Lord I ask that you I ask and I thank you for the words that you've spoken concerning them, God, that you've spoken concerning their future, that your plans to prosper them, God, and to bless them. I just thank you for keeping them, God. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. We receive that. We take that by faith. Amen. Absolutely. All right, well, everyone have a wonderful day. We love you, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.